0: Welcome back to Strive to As always, I'm your host, Joseph Hadaway, and today I'm sitting down with Charter from Blue Collar Investments. Charter has probably the most impressive resume, I think, of anyone we've had on the show. I, I mean, where do we start? Blue Collar worker, like the name suggests, wants to help fellow Blue Collar workers with their finances. Car crash survivor, I got to give him credit for that. <laughs> but yeah, let's, let's go ahead and get right into it. How are you doing today, Charter? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing today? Doing well myself. Really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Yes, sir. And I, I'm going to go ahead and get this story out of the way now. Charter and I met, uh, what, it was about two, three weeks ago?
1: Yeah, I think it was about two <laughs> weeks ago. Yes, sir.
0: I call him at, you know, the agreed upon time and I'm like, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, uh, I just totaled my car about 20 minutes ago, but I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> Easily That is my- exactly how that went down. <laughs> scary casual about it. But either way I gave you a brief bio there what all can you tell us about yourself
1: um so i am a army veteran uh i'm a uh, retired army bomb technician that's actually how i got my background in robotics which led to me to my current uh, job title i'm um, currently an automation engineer working actually at a steel mill um, so i'm about as you know hot and sweaty blue collar as it can possibly get and i'm just trying to reach out to fellow veterans and reach out to other blue collar investors or blue collar workers to try and invest and budget in a more intelligent manner so that they can stretch their money further.
0: absolutely love to hear it. Um, and automation is your, I didn't, I knew you had the army background. I did not know that's what you did. That sounds pretty cool to say the least. Not something to hear every day. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, no no it's
1: not it's definitely more common in the area I'm at now that's how I got started I knew a lot of uh, my friends fathers were bomb technicians so that's how I kind of fell into it I just grew up looking up to those guys and so when I got old enough I was like hey I want to do that as ridiculous as it was but I enjoyed it
0: I guess this story may or may not make I just wonder if you have like uh my dad my dad was in the air force um and uh, they had bomb technicians on base with them and Somebody went out and got uh shirts for all the bomb techs that just said, If you see me running, keep up. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we'll have to get you something like that. Now, I guess editing me, if you can find a shirt like that, post a photo. If not, well, you know, life happens. Be honest
1: with you, I think I probably have that shirt in my closet somewhere.
0: <laughs> I was really hoping you'd say. <laughs> Okay, so I, I guess, you know, getting into it, we've talked about, I, I mentioned this every show, I come from a financial background, a lot of my finance experience is classroom knowledge, um, so I love having people on, you know, who don't have a nine-to-five in finance and don't have, like, you know, the classroom, again, my bachelor's and master's are both in financial planning, and I work nine-to-five in the retirement industry, so I love having people on who, who don't have the, the day-to-day finance nerd that I've kind of thrown myself into, so... I love to ask, you know, how'd you get into personal finance? Man, so I am uh, definitely not
1: a success story. I got into personal finance by making all of the absolute wrong decisions first and learning from those. Uh, I was your typical, you know, army soldier, you know, making absolutely terrible car buying processes, like car buying purchases, you know, at super high interest rates not saving my money going out blowing my money every weekend with the boys um, and then I got out of the army and the only thing that changed was I made more money and my terrible choices just became more and more expensive and so I basically worked myself into a hole and um, 2019 I actually pretty much just hit rock bottom and I actually had to uh, file for bankruptcy um, I was recently married and uh, I went from being a single guy with, you know, I could just choose to make however much money I want to, and I just make ends meet, always did, and then got married, and all of a sudden I had two kids, and then we ended up getting custody of my brother-in-law for a brief amount of time, and so I had three kids and a wife, and my wife wasn't able to get a job where we were working uh, due to our youngest son not being able to be in daycare at that time, and pretty much just had to start over, and so once I hit that point, I was like, hey, I'm never getting back to this. We're going to have to start being smart. And so I just completely turned our finances around with the help of my wife. And, you know, here we are now.
0: Absolutely. You know, love to hear that story. Um, I, I've been known to hate on Dave Ramsey a little bit on this show and after most everything I do, really. But <laughs> there, there is, there is that one quote of his that I really enjoy, you know, talking about get that PhD in D-U-M-B. Uh um, Yeah. A couple years back, we had uh, James from Gen Z Money, who I don't believe is active on the internet anymore, actually. But very similar story. Army veteran. He talked a lot about the car he financed at like twenty eight percent interest, right right off base. (laughs) Uh, Got married, had a couple kids, and kind of hit that. Well, wait a minute, I got to do something better. Yeah. So it's it's definitely a story that you know resonates with a lot of people and. I'm sure you can relate because he spoke a lot about, you know, if I can find that guy right before he finances the Mustang at 28%, then I've done my job. Exactly. So, you know, that said, you hit rock bottom 2019, you declared bankruptcy. What was your next step? I mean, we found the moment you knew something you need to change, what was your first step to start getting things right?
1: So the very first step for me was self-investment. Um, I took a step back, looked at my career. I was still relatively new in the robotics engineering field. Um, I had been there for about a year and a half. Uh, no, I take that back. I'd been there for about three years at that point. I got into that field in 2016, still wasn't making a whole lot of money. Um, but really reevaluated what my worth was to my company and started reaching out to other companies because other companies started being a bit more interested in me. And me and my CEOs sat down. It was a very small company. So when I say my CEOs, it was my two CEOs literally sitting face-to-face with them. And we had a conversation about what it was going to take for me to stay with the company. And I was just very honest with them about my financial situation. And I left the table with basically a $45,000 pay increase. Wow. That's good money. It was very good money. And it was basically, at that point, I was essentially their their main instructor for Mercedes-Benz teaching maintenance guys and other engineers how to program robots and how to program PLCs. And uh, you know, we both knew that they needed me and they just I was genuine with them. I, I wasn't asking for the world, but I was asking for what was fair and you know at that time's market. And they just delivered. And so in hindsight had I held on for another two or three months, I probably wouldn't have had to have uh, Filed for bankruptcy. Um, had I just went to them at first, but hindsight's 2020, I had no way of knowing that that was going to happen. So once we did that, you know, my wife and I knew that I had this massive pay increase. Um, and I was like, hey, cool. Nothing's changing from right now. We're going to keep budgeting like we're poor. Um, this extra money is going to go into, you know, investments. This extra money is going to go into, you know, possibly looking at purchasing us a home eventually. Like, I don't want us to get back into that. Situation that we were in before, lifestyle creep is definitely the most dangerous thing for me personally. So I have to hit that one head on.
0: I think you are in very good company there. I love the point you brought up. You know, get that forty-five k raise, which I mean, forty-five k is more than I made coming out of college. Even my first two jobs out of college, forty-five k alone is more than I made. So I'm right. kind of I'm thinking about a raise in the term of my first job out of college with my degree um but moving on from that one thing i I do want to ask because i know a lot of people there's you get a lot of clicks on twitter when you put that you know your nine to five is a scam i firmly disagree with that personally i know i'm sure you probably do as well definitely Uh, so 45k that's that's a lot of money that's a very significant raise to stay with one company um could you talk any just like, you know, how you made yourself valuable at the nine to five and earned a raise like that? Because I mean, you obviously didn't just walk in and demand it and they said sure no. and sent you out the door.
1: Um, so I guess what's made me more valuable over the years is I've never been afraid to put myself into situations where I'm out of my element. Um, my bosses literally came over to me at one point. I was programming a robot and I was on my phone. And they came over to me and they're like, Hey, what are you doing on your phone? And I turned around and I was like, I'm Googling how to do my freaking job. And he was like, that's a really good answer. What do you need help with? And he sat down with me and actually helped me through the problem I was doing. But I was like, look, and his name's Jack. I was like, Jack, I'm not here playing games on my phone or anything else. Like I I told you I could do this job. I don't necessarily think that I can do this job, but I'm going to be able to do this job. And he was just like, I love it. Let's do it. And so I have consistently put myself into those situations over my whole life. But, you know, I'm terrible at college. My wife is a straight A student. You know, she's graduating in December. Um, She's got a 4.0 GPA right now. And she's currently in two separate colleges at once. I'm not that guy. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to have a C plus average because C's get degrees and I learn way better by doing. That's just how I've always been. So putting myself into those situations where I'm like, crap, I have no idea what I'm doing and managing to get myself out of those situations has just given me a wealth of knowledge over the years.
0: I mean, they say doing is the best teacher. Absolutely. It is. And I mean, Hey, it, I'm going to, I am just going to, you know, reiterate or rather go against one thing you said if you're listening to this show and you are in college, C's don't get degrees. A's do. That said, I, I though I am a firm believer on the college isn't for everybody trained. Right. And right. If, it, if it's not for you, it's not for you. Absolutely not. There are a million and one ways to make a very decent living without it.
1: I mean, there, there definitely are. And I'm not hating on
0: college because I was a
1: teacher before. And I definitely pushed a lot of my students towards college, but I, I tried to focus pushing more students towards like the associate's degrees instead of jumping off directly into the bachelor's degrees. Because I mean, face it, college is getting very, very expensive, and it's not getting any cheaper.
0: Oh my God! Yes, it is. Um, and who I to cheap in-state school. <laughs> I got a good scholarship. I I graduated with next to no student loan debt. When payments restart next okay. month, or probably this month, by the time this goes live, this will probably be like a mid-October episode. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay. My my monthly payment's like thirty five dollars. That said, I've got good. I've got good friends who got a bachelor's and are now staring down eleven, twelve, thirteen hundred dollar payments, and they can't find a job in their field.
1: So I've got two of my best friends that way. I know one of them's pushing close to three hundred thousand dollars in student home debt. So I mean, it's it's absolutely astronomical.
0: That number is like double to me because I. I just I think about it. I've talked a lot about this too. If you watch my other content, anybody listening, sitting and now this is going to be our first rental property. Um, when okay. We finish, when we finish fixing it up, which I I'm gonna call call upon Charter and Nick Grows and Average Joe for some tips because <laughs> I am in over my head. But I mean to finish that like we paid 145 for this house, and granted we got it like 45 percent under market value, give or take. But like. I hear 300K, and I'm like, that's two rentals. That's two of this house fully paid off. That number is just so mind-blowing to me.
1: Right. Now, granted, he's also a uh, pharmacist now, so he's making phenomenal money. But you're still starting yourself off in such a large hole. just That was something that was just never on the plate for me. I, I just couldn't justify it. And he's doing great, and I'm super proud of him. And I wish him the best in the world, but it was just
0: not for me. And absolutely nothing wrong with that. I mean, hey, here we are talking, obviously. You know what? Let's let, let's go ahead and get into that. You know, um, a lot of people I know will say that, you know, college is the path to a higher salary. Um, but let's let's talk lower salaries for a minute. When you and I first talked, you mentioned you took some traditionally lower paying jobs. Like you just mentioned you were a teacher for a while. But you were still saving money yes, doing sir. that. What's uh, what's your secret? Yes.
1: Um, so where you shop? I shop at Aldi and Sam's Club. That's pretty much where we get 100% of our groceries. And it saved us a ton of money. Um, when I was a teacher, we did not have, we had one car payment. But it was for a vehicle that was uh, 11 years old when we purchased it. Um, and so it was a very, very low car payment. I was driving a Jeep Cherokee that I paid $1,600 cash for, you know, wow. it's, I, I come from a mechanical background so I can fix my own vehicles. My best friend also owns an automotive shop. So if I was ever out of my head, I, you know, out of my element, I would give it to over to him and just let him handle it. Um, but, you know, we did that also our home that we currently live on uh, live in, you know, I finance $95,000 for it. So we have a relatively low mortgage. Um, we opted to go for a cheaper house once we moved up here we are in the process of looking at purchasing a nicer home now now that we've you know added an additional family member um, with our daughter that was born last year um, but that's we just kept all of our expenses super low um you know utilizing credit cards in the correct manner um you know getting your cash back rewards and letting those cash back rewards build up and then you know once a month every year you pretty much get to pay your credit card bill with your cash back rewards, you know, just doing stuff like that. And I also started a side hustle when I was a teacher. Um, I brought in, you know, two or three hundred extra dollars a month. Nothing crazy. But that, you know, that definitely helps when you're making thirty seven thousand dollars a year as a teacher.
0: I mean, absolutely it does. I like how you kind of you checked all the boxes there. Um, I just tweeted this the other day and I was scrolling through my Twitter trying to find it while you were talking, but I, I can just say it because at this point I've got it memorized. Um, I am thoroughly convinced that a family of four could live on like a hundred bucks in groceries month. They just dropped at Aldi.
1: Oh, I love it. Like we were, we, my wife and I were just talking about that the other day. Um, we were in line at Aldi and my total came up to like a hundred bucks. And I was like, if we went across the street to Walmart, this would be $180, $190. She's oh. like, no, Absolutely
0: my my wife does the vast majority of the grocery shopping in our house um that is her chore and i don't feel bad about saying that uh but i will say she took me an aldi for like the first time and forever last weekend and i kept saying like are you sure like do we need that that's a lot we paid 10.88 for like nine items i yeah. <laughs> i was blown away <laughs> and one things i liked you mentioned to save money because this is also relative to me right now or relevant excuse me uh doing your own mechanical work can save a lot of money
1: oh yeah i i just finished building a fence and i know (laughs) in order for me to build that fence pay somebody to build that fence i was gonna pay like five or six thousand dollars and i built i built it for like 750 bucks with materials so i
0: i no doubt i mean I, i posted a tweet this morning also um the the toilet in our guest uh guest bathroom uh the the flush valve broke and i had to replace it my next door neighbor had the exact same problem and we were talking she says a plumber came out and charged her 185 dollars for the part and for the labor the part was 17 dollars at Lowe's, and took me 30 minutes to install myself for free
1: i'm telling you right now through the power of youtube almost anything is possible
0: It really, really is that. I mean, of course, there are a few things I'm not doing myself. Like, uh, I'm not about to go fix the roof or, well, replace the roof or uh, do all the HVAC work. But so many, like, little things like that anybody can do to save money.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: So you mentioned, you know, you're saving money working those lower paying jobs, like the teacher and everything. Um, I'm guessing, you know, you still follow similar principles now that you're making more money doing what you're doing now. Um, I mean, you got, you just talked about the, you just talked about the fence. I mean, are you just saving more money? Are you splurging the extra places. Has any of the lifestyle creep caught up? So
1: I did. Well, obviously, as we already discussed, I totaled my 2002 Lexus that I was driving back and forth. Um, my current job, and this is ridiculous, but it is 75 miles from my house.
0: It, do you commute every single day?
1: So I... I currently do commute, but I, the reason I'm currently commuting every day by myself is because I'm currently working seven days on, seven days off.
0: You've told all me right? that now
1: that you mentioned it. I do remember that. Yeah. So, But I'm only doing that for two or three months. I'm helping some of our new electricians get used to being on shift. I've got a little bit more uh, experience than them, even though I am new at this job. Um, I'm good with all the computer programming that they're not good with, so I can help them. Um, In two months, I'll go back to my standard day shift job and I actually carpool with a with the project electrician that works in my office with me. So he lives about 10 or 15 minutes from me. Uh, We meet at a random gas station and we just alternate back and forth. But going back into like whether I splurge or not, um, after I told my car, I did go out and purchase a new car, which is something I'm usually avidly against. But I wanted a hybrid because I'm having to drive so far and hybrid use prices are absolutely through the roof right now. So for a car that was two years older with 50,000 miles, it was $25,000 for my brand new Toyota Corolla hybrid was $27,000. So I justified the extra $5,000 and I bought a new car.
0: uh, That is, I I think, probably the most justifiable expense in the world. God. And with how much I drive, I'm honestly making almost
1: my entire car payment in gas savings anyway. So it was easily justifiable.
0: Quick math, um, yeah, 75 (laughs) miles one way. God, that is. Wait, would you say I was 75 one way or 75 round trip?
1: 75 one way. It's 100 and you know 170, 160 miles every single day.
0: Better you than me, my friend. (laughs) I, I. I quite enjoy my uh, my work from home. I can wake up, let the dogs in the backyard, take a shower, then, then clock in. I I think I would die with a 75-mile commute. God. Um. Well,
1: the one good thing about it is
0: you have to be proactive
1: with your time. So what I do is I have basically two and a half hours every day to myself. So I listen to a ton of finance podcasts and investment podcasts. So I just utilize that time for self-improvement. And that's yeah, it helps justify
0: spending so much time in the car i mean hey i mean at that time you could work through the entire backlog of strive to find a week shameless plug of my own podcast i have, I have been working on it not gonna lie um <laughs> you caught me in my off week so
1: I've, I've done nothing but sit around the house and do you know honey do list around the house for the past six days
0: i mean hey it, if it happens it happens um actually i i, I kind of like what you mentioned there also um you have that downtime, so you're intentionally spending it on self-improvement. Mm-hmm. Let me ask, is that always been a habit or is that a post getting your finances together habit?
1: Um, well, it's always been a habit, but it's just not been a habit towards finance necessarily. Um I've also been big in the fitness industry for the past like ten years. Uh I'm a, a competitive strongman. And so I've <laughs> I've been doing that.
0: I'm going to interrupt you hard real quick because I feel like every single time we talk, you add, oh, yeah, by the way, I've done insert other really cool thing.
1: (laughs) I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie, um, much to the stress levels of my life. Uh, So I don't like sitting still. So, you know, we do a lot of travel. Like, There's not a lot of strongman competitions in Alabama, so we'll travel all throughout the Southeastern United States to go watch me pick up you know 250 300 pound rocks and you know that's that's what I enjoy so
0: I'm just glad to hear that if I'm ever ever in like a random bar in like Alabama and it's it gets to a bar fight I got you on my side against me absolutely yeah yeah
1: (laughs) yeah I've got a 300 pound sandbag sitting out in my shed right now that I train with and uh I know I took it up to our school at one point I was a football coach and a weightlifting coach while I was running their robotics department um, and uh, like threw a hundred dollar bill on the sandbag like my little robotics nerds I was like the first one of y'all to pick this up you can have that bill and I just sat around and watched them like struggle over this thing for like 30 minutes and then finally I was like all right you're gonna hurt yourself stop.
0: <laughs> you should have had them build a robot to pick it up that way they earn the money and they're following the syllabus. So, we definitely had a
1: robot that we had built the year prior that could have picked it up, and they asked about using that, and I was like, absolutely not.
0: <laughs> so, I, I got to make one more strongman joke. So, when you're putting the fence together, I was going to put the post in the ground. Did you break out the post hole, Diggers, or did you just. No, I may be a strongman, but I'm
1: lazy, so I rented an auger.
0: For all the audio listeners, uh, I basically just asked, did he. Uh... Stab the post into the ground himself. I <laughs> I got to remember now they're doing video podcasts. This also goes up on Spotify. Oh, and awesome! It, and if I start making like faces or poses or anything, Spotify listeners are going to have no clue.
1: That will be my main avenue of listening to your podcast. So I'm super happy to hear that you're going to be on Spotify.
0: Yes, sir. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google—it literally anywhere you listen to podcasts, I'm there. Awesome. Okay, so. Another thing I want to ask, you know, um, I'm having a a few people on lately who do specialize in the blue collar space. And I do want to ask all of y'all this to hear your answers and, you know, kind of see if they differ person to person. Um, Is blue collar wealth building different than white collar? Do the same principles apply or there extra considerations or I guess what, what do you think about that?
1: So the same principles absolutely do apply in my opinion, but, I believe that blue collar, with the way that everything is trending in our, I mean, not sugarcoat it, but our incomes are going up rapidly um, in the blue collar world. So, but you don't have to have a four year degree to do all of this. So the only difference is you can get started on your wealth building journey much faster if you're in blue collar. So a lot of these guys are getting into, you know they can go get an associate's degree for industrial electrician. And they come out of college making $70,000, $80,000 a year. You know, why would you not get started at that at 19, 20 years old? Then a lot of my friends that graduated with their bachelor's, you know, they're they're getting started at 22, 23. So you've got two extra years. And with, you know, the way that compound interest works, every year is very, very important. So get started early.
0: i can going to you, that was a very different take than like, let's say Nick, Grows an average Joe had um so I and I love it because ne- neither of you are wrong you just took it the question two totally different ways and I love the the variety I guess that's why oh, we yeah. have di- we have different guests every week instead of god when I edit the Nick episode we spent two hours talking about college football
1: I saw his post uh-huh. on that talking about that like I love Nick Nick was one of the first people that I interacted with on Twitter x whatever you want to call it yeah um, he is he does not hold back on know, what he posts. And I absolutely
0: love it. <laughs> we we went through a few of his more uh, I guess unhinged is the word that I should probably use tweets on the on the show. And I'm gonna try to leave as much of that in, but like then when we spend 45 minutes talking about the 2014 Louisville, Florida sugar bowl, yeah, none of that's making the show. Uh <laughs> But I, I was gonna say, you know, I, I like uh what you said about starting early as well. Um, that's not something I, I gotta admit I would have considered. Um so I guess, you know, let me let me dive in, I guess, kind of a mi- more mindset question on that, because I I came out of high school, eighteen, same as basically everybody else. Um I do know some friends who went to trade school and did very, very well for themselves. But I also knew a lot of people who kind of just sat around and did nothing and kind of still are to this day. Right. Um I think I made a tweet the other day. There's a guy I went to high school with who I'm not gonna name drop. Um, got one semester of college and now posts about his entrepreneur struggle on Facebook all the time. The man's twenty-six right. lives in his parents' basement and drives for DoorDash. Right. How how do you, I guess, inspire that 17, 18 year old, you know, to go on and like go to say trade school rather than I guess, you know, the, the do nothing route.
1: So specifically to my area, what I told, cause I was just in this situation where I spent two years trying to inspire kids to make these good decisions. Um, I told them all to essentially get the hell out of our town. Um, it is a super small town. And the only thing that's produced in this town, I think is meth. Um, so, you know, get out of here. There's, there's nothing for you here. Um, so and I was just very blunt with them. Um, you know, I told them, like, Hey guys, the reason I'm where I'm at now and the reason I was able to take this pay cut to become a teacher is because I got out of Morgan County, Alabama, um, fun things that I wanted to do that way. By the time I got to my thirties, I'm okay with, you know, sitting at home and watching my 401k and my Roth and everything else grow. Um, I got all the crazy stuff out of the way. Um, but then, The other thing is specifically to blue collar and like the country boy genre. Like if I could tell any of them one thing, it's like you do not need that brand new Duramax or Cummins on 37 inch tires. You're going to spend so much money on a truck that is not going to do you any good. You can go out and buy you a, gently used gas burner pickup truck. If you absolutely have to have a pickup truck for a third of the cost of what you're going to buy for this giant diesel truck. And I fell into that trap too. I had a power stroke at one point. I did not need a power stroke. So like, learn from me, don't make these big extravagant purchases, do more with less and you're going to be absolutely just astounded with what your money is able to do. If your money's working for you, it's a beautiful thing
0: absolutely is 100 it'll work harder than that power stroke will oh yeah uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to do a part two because i guess for anyone who doesn't know um i'm originally from a very small town in alabama also uh opposite side of the state from charter but like i, I hear these stories and very much yeah. mimic the small town mentality growing up and, and that was one of the things that I'm really going to shout out my dad for because he instilled this into me more than anybody else did. Um, the get out, go, leave. Um, if you want to come back later, do it, but go see the world. And that mm-hmm. inspiration and that mentality is better than probably anything else, in my opinion. Even I, if you, I, even, I
1: definitely agree.
0: Even if you get out and don't like it, you can come back, but go see it at least once, go try it. Yes. I say that I now live like 700 miles from my parents.
1: Always we we actually that. moved back to our hometown. And I the, the high school I taught at was the high school that my wife and I graduated from. And while there are certain aspects that are really nice to being back home, like deep down, I'm like sending my wife Zillow stuff from like the Birmingham area where I lived for like the past five years. Like we could go back. It's a lot
0: of fun. Like. <laughs> Birmingham is a lot of fun. I, I've got a, I haven't had a lot of friends that went to UAB. So I spent a lot of time there in college and have not been back since, but I do really, really want to. Uh, if
1: you if you like food, Birmingham's the place to go. Cause you can get oh. fat real quick.
0: That's most of the deep South. though.
1: That is I, true. I mean, well, you can go to any gas station around where I live and get a chicken finger plate, but it's not going to be great. So.
0: <laughs> I love that this once again this is gonna be so much fun to edit like if I'm if I'm la- I can always tell when the joke lands when I start laughing in the editing process. <laughs> uh, for timeline why I'm, I'm gonna like date this recording today is Tuesday August 29th. I just finished editing the first episode going up next week for I guess we're calling this season three with uh Evan or my, from yeah. my Money Marathon. And yeah. I kept, I kept laughing at the guy in the editing room. So I know for a fact that podcast episode is going to land because if yeah. I can listen to it back and, and laugh, so will it, people listening to it for the first time and I'm, I'm getting the same vibe here.
1: Awesome. Awesome.
0: <laughs> so we it right, right back in, I guess, you know, a little to personal finance. When we first talked, you mentioned retiring a little early. Um, Did you say like early, mid-50s? I want to make sure I'm getting this right.
1: So my youngest daughter will turn 18 uh, when I am 51 years old. And so I want to be retiring around that 50 to 51 year mark, which would put me about 16 years, 16, 17 years out.
0: All right. And I guess, you know, hey, big question. Are you on track financially for that?
1: I am ahead of track right now. So um, I am, I've been, making some decent choices. Um, And then of course I am ahead of schedule. And then in December, my wife graduates. And so now I'm going to be getting essentially, uh, it'd be my fourth income stream from my wife working. And so it is with her doing that. Basically we've talked about it um, over the past two weeks. She has become exceptionally jealous of my hybrid that I bought. And so she now wants a hybrid car because she sees me getting 58 miles a gallon and she's not, you know, she doesn't like her Yukon anymore. Um, so Ooh, I that,
0: am. That Yukon gets what about an eighth of that?
1: Uh, yeah, I gets about 12 miles a gallon cause I opted to get the bigger V8. Uh, so yeah, but I was towing at the time, so it made sense, but now I'm not towing, so I don't need it. Um, so you know she's gonna to want to do that. So other than her car payment, we both agreed that all of her money is just going in investments. I pay for everything else. Let's just keep that going, and she's totally on board with that. Um, so you know whatever she's able to add on to that, if I'm able to retire early, that's great. But <clears throat> I'm kind of in that situation where you know I'm I'm ahead of schedule, and for some reason I thought that once I got to the point where I knew I was ahead of schedule. It was going to be harder to go into work. But now that I know that I'm kind of in cruise control, like I really, and I have a job. I'm very thankful that I have the job that I have, because I really have enjoyed it since I made the switch. But now that I'm in a situation where I know likely in five to 10 years, I probably wouldn't have to go to work. I could take another significant pay cut and probably work from home. My motivation to go into work has actually gotten a little bit higher. I don't really know. I don't know if it's reverse psychology on my part or what, but, I mean, I I enjoy going to work, Uh, and and a lot of it has to do with the company that I work for, and it is a phenomenal company, but knowing that this company is helping put me ahead of schedule is just making it that much easier for me.
0: Correct me if you think I'm wrong on this, but I kind of want to analogy it a little bit, because that sounds very similar to something I was just talking about on another podcast episode that's probably gone live by now. Okay. Okay. So we, we were kind of talking about how a lot of people spend a lot of money on lottery tickets. Oh, um, Lord. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to call anybody out, Dad. But we were talking about that. and It kind of seems to ring true here. It might have been Kevin from Walkie to Wealth, I think, is who it might have been. But we were talking about how um, people put a lot of money into lottery tickets because, like, the finish line seems so far off and, like, impossible, you know? Especially like, you know, I'm I'm 25, I'm putting, and I put a decent chunk of my income into my 401k, my Roth IRA, et cetera, et cetera. But in theory, I'm not touching that money for 25 years. Right. That's, or no, more than that, 35 years. That's a pretty long time horizon. You know, I look forward 35 years, more time than I've been alive. And that seems like a near impossible time horizon. So, you know, when I hear other people in their twenties, like me, who say they don't really put money in their 401k because that seems so far off that they, they can't see the finish line. Whereas right. I kind of feel like, you know, you're talking like the exact opposite here where you're more motivated because you can see the finish line. You can see the fruits of your labor paying off and five years is not a long time. It is, but it's not at the same time.
1: It's not. And it's, I when we talked on the phone, I said this, like my road to financial independence is not about retiring early. My road to financial independence is about being less stressed about money. I have three children. Um, I go in and I work overtime when my wife and I decide that it makes sense. Um, if my daughter, my oldest daughter plays absolutely every freaking sport and on demand. Um, I love her and I'm super grateful that I get the opportunity to watch her. But like, I was at in Hartsville high school to 830 last night watching a sixth, sixth grade volleyball tournament. So like, it's just my life constantly, but I can choose not to go into work and watch her games and I'm not stressed sitting there at the volleyball game. I can focus on my daughter and not focus on, man, I could really use that a couple extra hundred bucks for me being at work right now. And that's what my road to financial independence is about. Just being more of a present father and being a better husband. Um, Cause there's a whole bunch of studies that show like you know, The divorce rate for couples that make that bring in over $175,000 a year as a combined couple is like 40 or 50% less than couples below that threshold. So, you know, why would I not want to try and boost my odds to having a happy family, you know, a happy relationship? And if all that means is just me making better money choices, not necessarily having to work harder, that's easy. That's just a discipline problem. And anybody can fix a discipline problem.
0: Spoken like the former uh, the former football coach like you mentioned right there um yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no i i honestly did not know that i'm gonna have to look that up now about the couples because that's a super interesting stat
1: that's the numbers are probably skewed i heard it on a podcast like a month ago so i'm like shooting from the hip but there's some arbitrary number with some arbitrary percentage and it is basically if you take financial stress out of the equation you're less likely to get divorced and uh, you know it definitely rings true because some of my wife and i as far as times in our marriage were when you know it was a struggle to buy groceries and now that we're not in that now we just argue about stupid stuff and not important stuff so you know there's that
0: but i love it like, i'm kind of even thinking back to there's an old fidelity commercial which i don't know why i'm bringing up tv commercials on a podcast but i'm gonna do it <laughs> and i might even find it and post it here um that that that's kind of one stat they quoted in the commercial now that you've unlocked a memory that i totally forgot um where they talked about like you know couples who were on the same page financially and handle their money correctly statistically stay together longer (laughs) so that does make sense absolutely and that's i mean phenomenal inspiration to say the least i've Definitely heard from people who want the money just because, I guess, you know, bigger number, better person when it comes to net worth, maybe. And their mind, of course, obviously not true at all. So it's always great to hear and great to talk to people who have inspiration beyond themselves. Which I guess, you know, kind of my next question that I had written down for you here, you know, is what keeps you pushing toward building wealth? And well, you really just answer that one for me.
1: Uh, the other part of that too is my wife and I are fortunate that we both chosen careers that we can work in various locations for. Mm-hmm. So honestly, our plan, once we get our youngest into college, whatever she is, is I want to be able to afford to pay for her to go to college and actually live on campus. And my wife are probably, my wife and I are probably going to end up buying an RV and she's going to do travel nursing wherever she wants to work. And, you know I'm a software developer uh by trade. So I as long as I have internet and a computer, I can work from wherever. So we just kinda want to travel the United States and work in various locations, not necessarily retire because she's she really loves what she's doing and I really enjoy what I'm doing. So if I want to work into my fifties, that's my choice. You know, and I know a lot of the you see with the fire movement itself, uh a lot of these um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, they'll go and they'll achieve financial independence and they're able to retire early and then they don't retire. They just continue working. Because what I've noticed is that people that are interested in the FIRE movement are very motivated. And You know, they get to that financial independence and they're like, all right, cool. I've got all this income just coming in from dividends or real estate or whatever you've chosen to invest in. And now they're like, all right, I want to play now. And so now they start chasing after avenues of income that are fun for them. And that's where I want to be one day.
0: I think you and I need to talk more. Um, because as as a as a fire believer, hi. Um, that's exactly what like that is exactly what, like my wife and I talk about all the time is hitting that fire number and then doing something fun. Um yeah. I want to open a coffee roastery. She wants to open a shop. So I think we're going to make it work.
1: Dude, let me know. I'll be there if you do <laughs> open the coffee roastery. I, I got a mug that's waiting for it.
0: <laughs> anyway, and and that dream predates us even meeting each other. So, uh, I think I think we're going to make that one work just fine. But Absolutely. so But yeah, and again, another I love what you're saying cuz that that fires about more than just working. Or mo, excuse me. Fire is about yeah. more than just not working. There we go. It's about pursuing that hat, that hobby, and that. uh I mean, hey, passive income is the yes. vehicle. So I guess on the subject, passive income, dividends, real estate, etc. What do you uh, What do you invest in? Like, what's your What's your vice of choice when it comes to investments?
1: So I am one of the most boring investors you're going to have on this podcast.
0: Uh, try me. Right? I, I own three funds. <laughs>
1: all right dang you got me i got four cool <laughs> well if we're if
0: we're including the 401k i'm at five
1: okay so i've got you beat because including my 401k i'm at four so uh my 401k i invest into the spartan 500 fund that is it um it has a 0.017 fee um and it just mirrors the s p 500 and i don't care Fidelity has all these life path choices, and there's nothing that you can tell me. This one to say that they're going to be able to beat this Spartan 500 fund. It's just not uh, going to happen.
0: Out of curiosity, you may have the answer I may have to Google this. Life path is that is that just a target date fund? It is a target date fund. I'm okay. telling you, yeah. No. I, there's a bunch of different target date funds out there, but Fidelity <laughs> uses is the their
1: uh, their life path fund, um, and that's what I, I kind of. Fidelity's probably a little bit mad at me, but uh, since the past three months, there's been a large amount of employees from uh, the steel mill that I work at that have swapped over to the Spartan 500 fund. So they're not getting those fees as much
0: anymore. Yeah. Target date funds. I mean, as someone who works in the 401k industry, I get it. Yeah. But the fees on those things, they're not worth it. Like to almost almost anybody, they are not worth it. Not investment advice. (laughs) But Um, they're they're
1: just, they're not. So the other investments that I have, uh, I get, uh, I guess this is a spoiler alert. I work for a company called Nucor, um, and I do get uh, stock options through that company. So the only single stock option that I own is NUE Nucor, and I do not hold on to it. If it's super low, what's up?
0: I'm going to ask, do you want me to bleep that company name? Because we can.
1: No, it doesn't all matter. Right. I'm not gonna say anything bad about them. They they like me as far as I know. So all right then. Um, so I invest in NUE, um, because it, they you know they offer me a certain percentage of free stock options if I invest up to a certain percent, uh, percent. And if you leave free money on the table, you're an idiot. So don't ever do that. So I purchase NUE, and if it's low that month, I will hold on to it until it raises back up. Or if it's high that month, I sell it off immediately. And then my main portion of my portfolio is an 85%, 15% split between FX AIX, which is Fidelity's uh, S&P 500 fund, and FITFX, which is a 0% fee international total stock option fund. All right. And so those are my two main ones. Everything ultimately ends up into those two. I currently have, I think, like three or four shares of Nucor. So it will go away very quickly. Um, Nucor was down this past week, so I'm gonna let it raise back up and then I'll uh, end up splitting it between those two. But there has been some studies that have shown that obviously if you invest into nothing but the S&P 500, you're gonna make money. But if you try and also bolster that with some international fund indexes, um, it has been shown that it can actually boost your earning potential within your portfolio. Um, and some, for some reason, that number always goes between 80% and 90%. So I just split down the middle and did 85, 15, and it seems to be working pretty well for me so far.
0: I'm, a uh, am looking at it, Nucor, is that publicly traded or is it like a private holding? Uh, it is publicly traded. Um,
1: it's, uh, yeah, it's just NUE. Okay.
0: All right. All right. I found it. Um, Me the way, that said, yes, you are a mutual fund guy, huh?
1: I am. Uh, and- I
0: do not want to
1: spend a lot of time, um, studying stocks i just I, uh, i when i'm at work i'm very very busy and so i just don't have the time to do that and when i'm at home i don't want to be dealing with this stuff i want to be focusing on my wife and my children so i know that investing in these is going to make me money and i don't have to think about it and i just kind of set it and forget it and then check in on my stocks every once in a while i'm like hey i've made this much money this is awesome
0: which hey no hate toward that um i'm an etf guy um And most of my usual complaints with mutual funds are the fees, especially the front loaded yes. ones, which I mean, Hey, right. especially with that, uh, the fidelity ones, I knew they had some zero so percents. I didn't know they had that good of an offering, but I mean, you look at my holdings, I'm uh, VTI total U S market, yep. VT total world market and SCHD for a little bit of income. Okay. But, and then I've got a couple individual holdings left over from here and there plays that, I kind of like, I, I think I have like a couple shares of Microsoft that I just, Okay from like four <laughs> or five years ago that I just can't bring myself to get rid of. But yeah, we are, we are on the same page, same vehicle, or same page, just going at it with a slightly different vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's also where my five funds come from. Cause uh, obviously I can't hold the ETF in my 401k. Right. But I mean, I think right there at same, thing. I'm right there with you. I'm all in on. We have a Vanguard SP 500 fund, and I think that mm-hmm. exact same Fidelity world, actually. Yeah. So I, it's that, it's that wind tunnel we get caught up in sometimes. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, that's the term, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Make sure I'm using it right. Um, I'm just
1: a sucker for low fees and dividends. And that's if it's got a low fee and it looks like it has a decent dividend, I'm probably buying it. Get you
0: set up with, uh, I used to spend a lot of time looking at the uh, the PIMCO High Dividend Yield Mutual Fund. Yeah, okay. I th- it might just be PIMX. P-I-M-X might be the ticker. I'll have to look that up too. because <laughs> It's like a 0.01% fund. And I, this was 2021 I was looking at it. So obviously this is not relevant anymore. But it was like a 6% dividend yield on a mutual fund. Oh, with wow. like flat capital gains growth over five years. I put a lot of thought into that one. So
1: also another thing, I guess it's not really an investment but it is an investment um where i keep most of my emergent, where i keep all of my emergency fund in like uh my six months of uh savings uh i do keep it in fidelity's government-backed money market fund uh
0: SPAXX.
1: I-, I think last, week, oh, I we
0: think said last go-
1: week yeah go ahead
0: i was here we said government-backed you mean like government treasuries or like fdic insured uh government treasuries okay
1: Yeah. Um, so, but I think last week it had like a seven day yield of like 4.92%. On a money market. Um, Wow. On a money market. Yeah. So Fidelity. So I actually found this because I just recently went to an automation summit where all of my company's automation engineers got together and it was just uh, a round table, just trying to improve our department within the company. Um, and the guy that was heading it, I ended up sitting at him, sitting with him at dinner and he is, a very like-minded individual, very, very intelligent guy, uh, could have retired 10 plus years ago. Um, was telling me how him and his wife live off of $36,000 a year. Um, and he makes far more than $36,000 a year. Um, and he told me that he keeps all of his money in fidelity's version of that. So I actually, my company pays for me to have a financial planner or a financial advisor. Yeah, it is very nice. So I met with them and was talking to him about it. And, uh, asked him what he thought. He was like, well, that's a great idea, but Fidelity has their own version of it. He introduced me to the SPACs fund. And so that's where all my money is now. And i just got my first payout of it. Um, I think today. And so I'm excited to look and see how much that was.
0: So, so what you're saying is we have charter, the passive income expert on the show today. And you know what, That that's going to the thumbnail, passive income expert.
1: That's, Dude, I'm lazy. I'm telling you,
0: like, if I can make money and not do anything, that's the way I'm doing it. Hey, lazy money is the best money, in my Absolutely. opinion. So, with that said, I am gonna start putting a close on this show, though. Yep. <laughs> Unfortunately, we are at time constraints. But uh first up, Charter. Where can we find you online?
1: Um, so LinkedIn. If you look up Charter Nicholson, there's not too many of us. <laughs> um, and uh, on X, I am at Blue Collar InvR.
0: Oh, you changed that on me?
1: I see. I did change it. Uh, the the charter one was just generically generated, and I was like, eh, "It needs to be a little bit more in line with what I'm trying to do." So I did change that. So it is at bluecollarinvr. Um, I've got a couple other social media accounts, but they're they don't follow my financial journey at all. It's more about you know just the family and you know my TikToks about some of my builds that I'm doing on my cars and stuff that has that's a good way to waste money, not, you know, do anything good with money. So
0: amen to that. <laughs> so then our, our our second closing question, uh, what's uh, like one book or resource you'd recommend to anyone getting started on their wealth building financial journey?
1: So I am currently reading the revised version of the intelligent investor. Um, I have not made it far into it, so I cannot speak to it, but it has been, recommended to me by a lot of people um but the book that actually got me thinking about finances is super off the wall and it's probably gonna lose some credibility with me when i say this but um do you know who forrest griffin is the mma fighter i do not okay so he has two books one of them's got fight and the other one is called be ready for when shit goes down the be ready for when shit goes down is like a, a guide to like the post apocalyptic world. But he actually goes into his finances in that and explains how, you know, he's a multimillionaire, but drives a $15,000 Chevy Impala or, you know, stuff like that. And he goes into how he's able to stretch his money so far by living well below his means. And that was from a blue collar and a veteran standpoint, that's somebody that you're going to be able to relate to That is smart with his finances. And if you haven't read it, it's a really funny book. It's a really good book. I'd recommend reading both of his books. Um it's definitely off the wall and not your typical answer, but they really resonated within me.
0: I have to look it up because I'm I'm in the process again. I'm going to shout out Kevin Walkie to Wealth uh in the process of finishing up his book now. So we can okay. we can do it we can do a podcast episode. Uh, okay. So that I'm looking for a next one and I do appreciate the recommendation. All right. And then, final question. What's next for charter?, uh,
1: my wife and I are looking into spots uh, for opening up a gym. Um, I've got a lot of money in gym equipment because of the sports that I compete in. All of the implements are very weird. Um, and there's not an actual gym within the city that we live in, we live in. You have to either drive to Arab, Alabama or Huntsville, Alabama. And so we are currently looking at doing that. Um, but, real estate up here is hard to find so it, it's it's an ongoing process but other than that the immediate is just getting my wife graduated from college so i can start banking off of her money
0: extra um who who posted this the other day i'll find it uh my uh if my wife gets a job that's passive income for me is what i'm hearing yep absolutely i'm not working so, for it yep <laughs> Either the way, thank you again very much for Charter Blue Collar Investments for coming on the podcast today. I'm going to link all of those uh, links that he mentioned down in the show notes below or of course the video description if you're on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel, like the video. If you're on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars, please, because I just learned that's a thing apparently. Um, yep. And yeah, we'll be back next week with another episode.